Good morning. We've been uh, through the summer in a series, the title of which is mentioned here, and as your first test, I want to know how many people can read the middle line. Show of hands. That's pretty good. Further towards that end, it gets a little thin. Right. Ministering in the way of Jesus. And when we say in the way of Jesus, we mean like him, not in his way. My kids do things my way sometimes, and they do things in my way sometimes. And we're talking about as Jesus, like Jesus. Today we're going to talk about a blind man, blind Bartimaeus. So if you'll open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 10, it's on page 716. In the Bibles under the chairs. Let me just read this to you. So we're starting at verse 46, Mark 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting at the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up. That's not a good enough translation. It it really means like take heart, take courage, be filled with courage. Take courage on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, teacher, I want to see. Okay, pay attention. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So on the surface, this is a story about Jesus healing a blind man. And if we're just to take it uh, on the surface, we're going to ask ourselves the question, so how do we, like Jesus, show mercy to people who are on the edge of society or maybe they struggle with challenges that we don't struggle with or whatnot? We've talked about that again and again as we've seen Jesus' ministry because he reaches out to the people on the margins, right? The woman uh, who had the, the flow of blood, Um, all the different people that we've talked about. That's not all that's happening in this sermon. This is a sermon about seeing. This is a story about seeing. So let me tell you a couple stories. I, um, (laughs) when I was 14 and entered high school, I was 4 foot 11 and weighed 95 pounds. So there were girls around me who were like 5'9 and looked like models. And I said, hello, my name's Jonathan. It was a setback to enter high school like that. It's how it was. Uh, my voice didn't change until I was 17. Then uh, later on in life, I had braces. And it wasn't just braces, I had jaw surgery, it was a kind of um, detailed thing. So I had these setbacks, right? But I had one thing going for me, or two actually, I was fast as a kid, I could run fast, which is good, because when you're small, um, you're a bully target. It's good to be able to run fast. I had big friends too. 
but I could also see well, and I still can. So I have a slight stigmatism, but other than that, I don't wear contacts, I don't wear glasses, my eyes are fine. So, like, be, pay, joy, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12. I can read that. Everybody can see the clock? Can you see, can you see the inscription at the bottom of the clock? It says, Bruce Clark, a humble servant. No, I'm just kidding. I memorized that before I came up. <laughs> I can't see that. But I learned something else about eyes too. So here's one thing that happens when you're in an international marriage. Some fun things that happen. You get to teach each other language. When you get to do the teaching, it's safe. When your friends do the teaching, you're in trouble. So we're on a cross-Canada trip one time, and we stopped through Toronto, and there's some old high school friends of mine. And this guy tells my wife, he says, Michiko, what I remember about Jonathan in high school was that he was hangry a lot. And she said, what does hangry mean? And he explained the word, do you know the word hangry? Yeah, it's hungry and angry mixed. It's what many men are just before mealtime. Irritable, grumpy, short-tempered, because our, you know, our blood sugar drops and our guts are empty. I really wish he hadn't taught my wife that word because that comes back to bite me all the time. So here's another word that's come up, and this one's with relation to eyesight. <laughs> You've heard the term man eyes? Do you know what man eyes are? Man eyes are when the guy is looking in the fridge and says, Honey, where's the ketchup? And she says, It's right there in the door, top shelf. And you say, No, it's not. I'm looking in the door at the top shelf, and there is no ketchup here. And she walks over and pulls the ketchup out. I mean, it's a conjuring trick or it's something with space-time continuum, but it happens all the time. And it's, it's specifically, I think, with guys, and it must be genetic. My boys both have it too. You know, find some clean pants for today, guys. I can't find any. Mom comes upstairs. There they are. They weren't there a minute ago. Well, you have man eyes. So, so the problem with man eyes is that you can't see what's right in front of you. Okay, hang on to that phrase. You cannot see what's right in front of you. Because we're going to take a quick trip through the entire book of Mark, and I'm going to condense it as much as I can. Mark breaks, it marks 16 chapters long, right? So it's not long. This week, read it. Sit down and read it. And stop reading at Mark 16, 8. Pretend the book ends there and see how you feel when it ends. But we got 16 chapters in Mark, and it's, it's broken into two halves that split almost dead in the center towards the end of chapter 8. And that second half splits into two parts, too. So this is important, okay? Because Mark is trying to get us to see something. And we, the disciples, struggle with having a version of man-eyes. For all of history, we have struggled to see what's right in front of us when it comes to Jesus, the Christ. So Mark starts off with the announcement, the good news of Jesus, the Son of God. So right away, I'm telling you something about who this guy is. He's not just a human. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. 
He's something divine that we should pay attention to. So the rest of the book, Mark's going to want you to get to see that and come to terms with what that means, okay? First half of the book, first eight chapters, what does Jesus do? He preaches, he teaches, he heals, he shows us what the kingdom looks like, and it's pretty good. The sick are healed, the demons go running, people who are hungry are fed. He teaches people with authority. He teaches in ways that they've never heard before. He shows us the kingdom, right? Now, open your Bibles. Turn one page over to chapter 8. I think it's on page 714. Group participation time. This is where the book splits, okay? It comes to a head when Jesus asks his own disciples, who do people say that I am? Then who do you say that I am? So just read, don't read me that part. Just read me the headings. You have, they have to be in this Bible because I, I looked. I want you to read them from this setting. On the, on the left side of the page, on page one, on 714, where chapter 8 is. Yeah, end of chapter 8. Read the three headings there. Anybody? You can read one at a time if you want. The, what's the first one? I can't hear you. See, my eyes, not my ears. The good, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. It's a blind man, okay? This is important because Mark didn't do this on accident. There's a blind man there, and there's a blind man at the end of chapter 10. Okay, next thing. Peter's confession of faith. And what is that confession, Del? What's he say? Just read the confession. Just read Peter's answer. Right, you are the Christ. You are the anointed king that we've been waiting for. You are the Messiah. Okay? Jesus warned them not to tell any about anybody, though, about him. Why did he do that? We don't know for sure. There's a lot of debate about why, why Mark's, Mark's version of Jesus has Jesus constantly saying, shh, shh, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. But what's the next heading? Anybody? Loud voice. Yes. Yes, Jesus predicts his death. And Mark did not put those two things together on purpose. Peter's confession, you are the Christ, is intrinsically linked with Jesus' next statement about himself. I'm going to die. Follow me. Chapter 8, 9, 10, Peter, or Jesus predicts his death three times. And every time the disciples don't get it. So some of us speculate maybe the reason Jesus was telling his disciples don't go tell anybody yet is because they only saw the part that they wanted to see. They only saw the king coming in victory. They didn't see the cross. So the first healing of the blind man, it takes two shots, right? Jesus heals the guy. He says, what do you see? He says, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Jesus heals him again, and this time he can see clearly. And then he introduces the vision of the disciples, where they see partially what's going on, but they don't see the whole story yet. Now he gets to Bartimaeus. And we, we have problems when we translate stuff, Okay. But let me read this again. I'm just going to draw out a couple things. 
First is calling. They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, and by the way, his, son, his name, son of Timaeus, means the son of honor. So here's the son of honor fallen to the place of um, kind of, de- what's the word? Depravity here is on the margins. He's powerless. The son of honor has fallen all this way. He's meeting who? The son of David, Bartimaeus calls him, the son of God, Mark calls him, and Jesus refers to himself all the way through as the son of man. That's important. Jesus goes through, Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus. Jesus hears about it and calls back, and then the, then the disciples go to Bartimaeus and say, he's calling you. He calls, he calls, he calls. The one calls the other, the other calls back. The disciples say, he's calling you. There's a call happening, and Mark doesn't want you to miss it because he repeats it three times in one sentence or two sentences. So Bartimaeus comes, and, he's, and Jesus says, what do you want from me? Okay, look back one paragraph. We're doing a lot of textual work, but it's important. Look back one paragraph. What, what was the last conversation Mark records before this? Because the same phrase was used. The conversation right before that, they are on the way... And Jesus has this conversation with James and John. Uh, They come to him. They say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? It's exactly what he asks Bartimaeus. And they say, put one of us on your right and one of us on your left. They see the king. They see the victory. And they want to be at the top with Jesus. Mark doesn't want you to miss the connection between those two things. Just like Peter's confession and Jesus' prediction of his own death. The disciples ask for the top place. Jesus shows up, or Mark has Bartimaeus show up, and and the blind man is the one who can see what's going on. And Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? Bartimaeus says, I want you to make me see. And he calls him son of David, another kingly title, right? But here's what I want you to see. Where was Bartimaeus? Verse 46. Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was... Sitting by the roadside begging. We used to sing a song. The blind man sat by the road and he cried. The blind man sat by the road and he cried. The blind man sat by the road and he cried. He said, oh, 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 show me the way. Right? In the Greek, Bartimaeus right now is sitting by the way and watching Jesus go by. At the end of the story with Bartimaeus, where is Bartimaeus? He's following on the way. Same phrase. And by the way, that phrase, on the way, is something that Mark started using at the beginning of chapter 8. Because he wants to tie all of these together. He said, in the first half of my book, I showed you what the kingdom looked like. And you saw part of it. You saw the king. Now I want to show you what the way to it looks like. And he says, on the way, eight or nine times until this story, and it ends with Bartimaeus following on the way. And the very next thing they do is step into Jerusalem. If you do read Mark this week, pay attention to how many times he uses the word immediately, and then, 
And soon after that, Mark rushes you through the first 10 chapters. Immediately, immediately, soon, 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 because he gets you to chapter 11 and he just almost stops. Because he said, this whole time, I want you to see Jesus and his kingdom, but I want you to see the way that he's calling you to. And this is it. And he takes you into Jerusalem. And the second whole half, or the, that last part of the book, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, slow down. And it's the last week of Jesus' life on the way to the cross. You can't separate them. What Mark is showing through these two blind men is what it looks like when we open our eyes completely and we see what it means to follow Christ. It's not a complicated sermon, and I'm going to leave you with that, just with one question. Some of us, myself included, like to sit by the way and watch Jesus do great stuff and go by and at this supper celebrate what he did for me. I'm not always that excited about joining him on the way and in this supper that we just celebrated, participating in the way that he shows us. That's the question of Mark for you and me, and that's the story of Bartimaeus opening his eyes. There's a whole lot of other textual things that I could draw you to, but I want to keep it concise and just leave you with that question. Are you by the way, beside the road, watching Jesus, or are you on the way? Let's pray. God, thank you for leaving us stories of who you are that are on one level simple, easy to grasp. On another level, they just keep opening up more and more meaning. And on another level, they're incredibly challenging, God. As Kevin mentioned, we are very blessed, all of us in various ways, most of all, we're blessed because we can call you our Savior. God, give us the strength also to call you our Lord. And especially lift us up and give us the strength when we seek to follow you like Bartimaeus, not looking on from the, from the benches on the side of the road, but walking with you into Jerusalem, whatever the Jerusalems and the crosses are of each of our lives, give us the strength to face those things as your people. Jesus, we know that the story didn't end with the cross, and it's why we can pray to you in your name, because you rose. And because, like the Son of Man in Daniel, you ascend on the clouds and show us what the victory looks like. Show us your kingdom. Give us a sense of your presence. Fill us with your love and your spirit and help us to follow you on your way. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.